This is The Lore Check. Hello, other people, and thank you for joining us for episode 9 of The Lore Check. I'm your host, Brandon Michael Terry, and with me as always is my horrifying co-host, Devin. He's so spooky. Voight. I like to drink your blood. And also, I enjoy eating Count Chocula. So that probably contributes to it. I've heard that's a good mixture together. Blood and Count Chocula? Uh, I'm not committed enough to get it. It makes me think of wet bread, and I can't. <laughs> I'm I sorry to make you think of wet bread, Devin. <laughs> Devin has a weird pathological fear of that. And speaking of fears, Devin, what are we talking about today? So today, uh, thankfully, we're not having a wet bread podcast, but we're actually going to be talking about the horror genre of RPG games. What makes it horrifying? What defines the horror genre? And how can we ourselves as game masters and players better embrace it to, I hesitate to use the term, but delight in the horror genre, uh, despite that that may mean you not sleeping through the night, but nevertheless. Every GM's hope is you don't sleep that night they host a <laughs> horror game. Before I get into story time, Devin, why don't you tell me why do you think horror is such an important genre for us to talk about today? There are quite a few horror games out there, and it's actually become somewhat growing. Um, you can take it from Call of Duty, mm-hmm. as we've seen that actually sprout up a lot. Yep. They have board games, they have uh, role-playing games, tabletop. There's a lot of it out there. I think there's even a computer game for it, too. There's a lot of computer games for it, actually. Uh, this H.P. Lovecraftian horror genre has really defined a lot of where this RPG has been directed. Yeah. I think there's actually a Call of Duty game coming out this year. It's not already come out this year. There's a new one coming out. Oh, yeah. That's the one where uh, you can have a mysterious stranger deliver it to your door, right? Yeah, it's a terrifying concept. Well, there, there is different board, uh, tabletop games as well. There is the Call of Duty tabletop game, which is the classic horror game. Uh, Savage World has its East Texas University setting, which is, imagine Call of Duty, but in a Texas university. Literally, it's just a Texas university with Cthulhu monsters running around. Vampires and Worlds, I think. Why would someone want to go there? Yeah, you know you want to right now, don't you? I Yeah, I do. There's there's also four modules for a lot of the big games we have out there. I mean, Pathfinder has the Tyrion Hill and the Strange Eons Adventure Pass. They're both horror-themed Adventure Pass for them. And then, I think the only war game from the 40k line might as well be a horror game. Because you're playing an Imperial Guard in the 40k setting. You're going to die in a horrible method. Just, you know what's going to happen. So might as well be horror, don't you think, Devin? I think so. Now, what about Werewolf of the Apocalypse and Vampires of the Masquerade? Do you think those count as horror? I think partly. We need to discuss what is horror soon. But I think there's some horror elements to it, depending on the level of your players. And if you start off as the non-vampire character. I've had some GMs who talk about, you start off as a human... And you get chased until you're embraced. That's horrifying. You don't get to choose which, which clan you're part of either. So it's kind of horrifying even as a gamer. Like, I don't have to choose. Like, I'm going to be forced to be a certain vampire. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. It's horrifying. But it's kind of fun. Before we get into what is horror, why we strangely, morbidly love it, and how we can enjoy it more, story time. This time, I'm actually going to do the story. Because in our group, I do the majority of the GMing for the Call of Duty horror settings. I have a weird, disturbed part of my brain that loves doing horror games for my, my friends. But every now and then it's very important to exercise that, yeah. lest you lose it. Yeah. And actually, I, I actually don't like horror movies that much, but I love being horror GM. And my favorite time, I was actually playing through the Edge of Darkness short story. You actually find that in the core rulebook of the Call of Cthulhu Classic Edition, Edge of Darkness. Great setup for it. Basically, I'm going to jump you ahead to the final scene. My players have been locked inside this house. Well, locked is where they're basically trapped there. So they eventually discover that in the house, there's a creature. They can't see it. They don't know what it is. They just hear it rummaging up. But they do know what it'll do to them. They saw, at one point, someone who went outside get mauled and killed by it. And then brought back to life as a zombie to try and tempt them to come outside. So they were stuck down there with this beast. 
They were powerless. They were terrified. They couldn't do anything. Until they found a ritual. A banishing ritual to get rid of it. The rule was, you cannot break the chant. Once you start, someone has to be keeping this chant up at all times. Like, there's only certain points you can break to change who does the chant. But that person has to keep going to the next break point. And if I may speak into it real quick. Yeah. There was no forgiveness for getting most of the syllables correct. There was not. <laughs> I just, just, that, that doesn't work for me. You need to say the right thing for me. But yeah, and they knew that if they messed up, they were hosed. During this process, they started chanting it. The air on them got colder. Candlelight started flickering out. Went outside, sitting louder. The creature that was sent, the human husk zombie, starts slamming on the door to try and get in to stop them. The creature above starts howling in pain and thrashing about trying to shake the house and destroy it. About five minutes left in the, the ritual, the creature is ripped from the attic, thrown into the middle of the salt vanishing circle they had created for it. Thrashing about trying to escape, it makes a last-ditch effort to summon one of the people to it to murder them. It looks at Devin's character, Joseph Arthur, and beckons him through a weird mental manipulation, changing into a alluring woman, calling Joseph to her. As Joseph approaches, his best friend thinks quickly and decks him in the face, sending him crashing the floor just inches from the edge of the salt circle. As Joseph looks up, a tentacle reaches as fast as it can right to his face, sending him back. In the real world, at the same time, I threw my own fist right into Devin's face. Missing him by mere inches, and seeing Devin lur lurching back as well to feel this. Five minutes go past, they complete the ritual, the creature is gone. The wind slows down, the air warms up a little bit, and they let out a breath of, <sighs> and they made it. And that's kind of what my mind is a quintessential horror experience. I created my characters this semi-powerless experience of being at the mercy of forces greater than themselves, of having a slight chance of survival, and they knew if they missed that laser's edge, they were done. The fear of constant, ominous, I don't know what's going on here. And then eventually just the sigh of relief when it's done. That's that's horror games for you. At least that's what we think it is. We haven't answered the question. Devin, what are horror games? So, horror games are essentially very much like what you just said, mm -hmm. putting humans, putting ourselves into scenarios where we are exposed or subjected to the paranormal, uh, to the extra, what, what is that term? The, I was going to say extraterrestrial, and maybe to some extent extraterrestrial. even to extraterrestrial. I think that's true for Kalkulu. Uh, but just throwing us into, into this environment where we are, as we are, fighting these creatures that are clearly more powerful than us, fighting this force that we may not even be able to do anything to mm -hmm. because, like, you know, a ghost, if you try to fight a ghost, you're just going to punch straight through mm -hmm. mist. You know, and it can potentially possess you and all that scary stuff. Actually witnessing uh, the reanimation of death, some type of necromancy is typically mm -hmm. involved. Uh, and generally, mm -hmm. if there is magic in it, it's always a darker magic. You know, mm -hmm. there's something much more nefarious at play. Common tropes in the horror genre usually include some level of monsters or paranormal forces. In H.P. Lovecraft, it typically involves some kind of, like, tentacle beings from outside our world and maybe space and time. And for some reason, almost always worshipped and followed by a cult of some type of hooded figure. Your players kind of feel weak, powerless against this thing above them. And it just taps into your players' fears. A horror game's biggest definition is it's a game that taps into the fears of the player, 
in order to give them an experience of fighting for their life against the odds. Now, if any of you have ever played Betrayal at House on the Hill, mm-hmm. that now that is a board game. It's not a uh, tabletop RPG. But there's some elements to role-playing in it. No, there's definitely. You, you receive your characters, mm-hmm. and your characters have their own ambitions and their own hobbies and mm-hmm. whatnot. And they have their own stats that you can raise and lower throughout the game. But the entire thing is that you are these people who are average people, you know, whether mm-hmm. you are the athlete, the professor, the the librarian, what have you. Yep. You're inside this house, and eventually, after certain events and haunts are triggered, which are by themselves pretty scary, the betrayer reveals themselves, and now it's this fight of legitimately almost a Cthulhu-esque fight where the house is being sucked into the abyss or that there is this vampire and they're trying to raise an army of thralls to take over the town and the players in this house have to stop them or be killed. (laughs) Generally, every time I've played, I have been the player, I have never been the betrayer, and I have always lost. I've been the uh, betrayer once. I was a werewolf. I won that game. Ripped our mouse to shreds. And that's terrifying to yeah. know that, like, if you imagine you are literally in this giant mansion running for your life mm-hmm. from this person who moments ago you were investigating with all of a sudden is a werewolf trying to eat you. If you really put yourself in that situation, your heart would be at like 195 beats per minute. You would be yeah. terrified. Part of the game is IRL in real life. It also kind of braces some of the, the, the unknown terror there because you don't know if you're the betrayer. No one knows the betrayer until the game says who it is. So you could go in there thinking you're going to have a game with friends. Turns out you were a werewolf the entire time. Or you're a witch. Either way, like all of a sudden, you don't have control of your life anymore. Like You're at the mercy of this game. And you start the Trail on House Hill, you're at the game's mercy. That's what adds a little horror element to even the game itself. And so that's kind of what horror is. Horror is scary, terrifying monsters, being like a victim. So why in the world would anybody enjoy a horror game? Especially a horror role-playing game. So you're asking a uh, you're asking the right person because I myself I love it mm-hmm. on my PlayStation. I would say the vast majority of the games that I yep. have on my PS4 are horror games. It's a great story. It's there's always something unique to mm-hmm. it and exciting, and often, at least with a lot of the indie games that come out, and even with a lot of the role playing games, there's this idea of human psyche it taps into mm-hmm. losing your sanity to this. Are you? Mm-hmm who you believe you are, or does this horror element start to reveal that you are far from what you think you are? Mm. And I think that, that that's very fun. I think there's also just that general uh, joy that can sometimes come from being being scared, whether it's a yeah. jump scare or this deep-seated feeling of something's following me and chasing me, but I don't know what it is or where it is. You know, it's it's just, it, it's fun. So I think you tapped into two points there, Devin, at least. The first one being... I don't think all of us have ever completely given up the idea that monsters still exist. But at the very least, they think monsters exist within us. Like a lot of classic horror monsters, vampires, werewolves, zombies, Frankenstein's wretch, all were originally humans that returned to something else, that revealed their horrible monstrous state. There's something deep inside of us that recognizes the evil in humanity and personifies in the horror genre. What do you think about that, Devin? I think that, I think that's very accurate. Um, one of the recent games that I played called The Carnival. Uh, that again, that's on the my PlayStation. Um, it very much it follows this uh, female protagonist who is going through this carnival looking for her son. And throughout it, you start to realize that you're not necessarily this caring 
worried mother that you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And at the risk of giving spoilers, I want to leave it at that. But it's it's neat because it does play within the turmoil within, the fear that all of us could become this monster that we don't want to believe we are. Mm-hmm. The Green Goblin is even an example of that. Yeah. And I think, like, that's one of the most scary horror movies, horror experiences, is when the, the monster or the villain or whatever isn't a supernatural monster. It's just a really demented person. It gets much more uncomfortable, much more creepy when it's just a sociopath without the ability to feel human empathy. Because then we think, like, humans can do this stuff. Terrifying. I think horror games lost get a chance to, like, step into that feeling of the darkness and the corruption of humanity and face it, look it in the eye and possibly deal with it. And one point before we move on I want to address is horror games, role-playing games especially, give us a chance to do that way better than movies and video games. Because movies... That character is the one that's, whose life's at danger. So you feel scared from jump scares and all that stuff, but you never feel threatened for the most part. At least psychologically, you don't feel as threatened. Because in the human mind, so we'll get a little philosophy of the mind going for you guys, there are things called local and global realizations. Now, I'm not sure if this is still modern psychology. It was when I read it a couple years ago in a book. But local realizations are the reason why, Devin, when you, when you watch a movie and you see someone murdered, you feel bad, don't you? Yeah. You feel I mean, sorry for them. You yeah. feel sorry for their friends and family. Yeah, like, you don't want it to happen, but it happened. Yeah. But you don't call the cops, do you? No. No, because you know it's not real. But you believe it's real enough to have feel emotion and connection to it. And that's the battle between local and global realizations. Local realizations are your mind accepting what's right in front of it as real. I see it, therefore it's real. Global realizations are the part of your brain that says, no, 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 no. let me think about this. No, this isn't a real thing. This is something I'm watching and hearing about. In movies, your global realizations are usually pretty powerful. You know it's a movie, it's not you that's being threatened, so you know it's not real. In the tabletop game, however, there's a little bit more blurring between your character and you. Hopefully, if the GM's doing his job, and if you're a player doing your job, there's a little more blurring going on. And thus, your local realizations are overpowering your your global realization. And you're feeling real horror, real threat to yourself. That's why we want to talk about today, is this feeling of first, adjusting humanity, and the second point Devin brought up, they become really intense when you play role-playing games. Devin, would you agree that you're a little more scared in role-playing games than in movies? Yeah, definitely in movies. Um, I, I'm not as frightened because, like you said, it is somebody else's experience. But when I'm playing a role-playing game, and I am my character, Joseph Arthur, or whoever I may be, mm-hmm. you know, though my character is this piece of paper in front of me, I've fashioned this character for me to play. I've begun mm-hmm. to identify with them. And part of that experience, at some point, almost bleeds into reality, and you start feeling like you're them. So when you're in this house that's shaking and crashing, it's terrifying. I remember the first time that uh, I played a Cthulhu session... And the game master had us go into this basement and this knife animated itself and started attacking us. To me, that was actually very scary because I started thinking to myself, how do you stop a floating knife with this mind of its own that wants to carve you up? And so I ran. I didn't know what else to do. So we, And we eventually uh, grappled it and put it in a box and locked it. But even then, to do that in real life, that would be terrifying. I think that's an opportunity you have when we're playing games. But to jump ahead to the second point you mentioned, Devin, you said sometimes we just enjoy being scared. What did you mean by that statement? Well, maybe in the same way that people will do the running of the bulls or mm-hmm. jump out of an airplane, mm-hmm. there is an adrenaline rush that comes with that. Yeah. So when you go through a haunted house, you already know you're going to be scared, but there's that fear of, or, or there's that there's that excitement of the fear to come. There's just something fun about being terrified and having your heart rate increase and all of a sudden your body's releasing all of these hormones into you because of it. Or there's even the excitement of solving the mystery behind the fear. Mm-hmm. Usually, especially if there are any Scooby-Doo fans out there, 
there's always something, <laughs> there was always something scary happening. But at the end of it, they solved the mystery. They figured out what it was. And that kind of makes it all worth it in the end. Jinkies. <laughs> like Scoob. Okay, before we get too far into that, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, Devin. I think people enjoy that adrenaline rush. So there's recent studies that show, weirdly enough, you can actually experience happiness and fear at the exact same time. Because of different parts of the brain that can be activated, humans can actually experience happiness and enjoyment and terror and sorrow at the exact same time. In some way, like somehow our brains can feel both at the same time. And horror games have done well give you that experience of, this is terrifying. It's awesome. I love it. And you have this adrenaline rush. You have this excitement. You have this... Some people, which is they, they feel their lives are kind of boring and too, uh, this time, white reddish. And they feel just kind of bland and boring. So they kind of scare themselves awake or alive a little bit. And then you're also right at the very end, Devin, that if you do survive this kind of horror thing, there's a sense of relief and satisfaction because you weren't guaranteed to live. I know that in games like Pathfinder and D&D, you're not technically guaranteed to live at any point, but you have a fighting chance. So it's still satisfying when you kill the monster. That's even more when you're fighting something you should have no chance against whatsoever and you somehow survive. That relief factor is just 10 times as much. Yeah, because in Pathfinder or D&D, when you are outfitted in your suit of armor and you know your spells and incantations and you are a master at wielding a sword or a bow or what have you, there is a lot of cushioning that comes with that. But when you are in your sports jacket with a flashlight with a dying battery and you have just picked up a pistol that you really aren't well trained in using and you're trying to hold the flashlight while aiming the pistol accurately, the enjoyment from surviving that encounter mm -hmm. is so much more. Yeah. So I think there's, there's good reason to enjoy horror games. If there are people out there who've never tried horror games and only stuck with classic D&D and Pathfinder, take a chance. Like, ask someone to run a horror game for you. Uh, there's some new ones out, out recently. Uh, Cthulhu Dark just came out. I think the Kickstarter... People just got their books recently. At the very least, I think another reason we enjoy horror is some of us know we are people of fear. There's so many things to be afraid of in this world. Whether it be these monsters or the dark, whether it's just the inevitability of death coming for one day, or just asking girls out. We have things we're afraid of. And the sad but realistic thing is fear breeds courage. In order to grow in courage, you have to make yourself experience fear. You have to look it in the eye and you have to raise your fist, shake it, and run headfirst into what you're afraid of. And a possible way of like beginning that process is role-playing it out. Being a weak little news reporter who just stumbled upon the story of a haunted house ends up fighting this terrifying ghost or tentacle monster to save their life. You have a chance to look fear in its eyes and run at it, to not be controlled by it anymore. I think horror gives you the opportunity. So embrace it. And at the end of the day, the best horror games can actually teach you... Devin kind of mentioned it earlier when he said, how would I fight this dagger? Horror games give you a chance to possibly think about if this happened, what would I do? We've all watched horror movies where it's just a kill in the house or they're being chased. And they make so many frustrating, stupid mistakes. Such as falling and not getting up. You're just staying there. Slowly jogging and not running. Going upstairs inside a house when you're being chased by someone inside your house instead of leaving out the front door. Or when the circuit breaker goes out, only one person goes to the basement to yeah. fix it. Yeah, there's so many bad mistakes people make and they die for them. You get frustrated. Well, role-playing games gives you a chance to... Sandbox it. What works, what doesn't. If you have a good, fair GM, he can kind of say, like, well, you did that. Well, if I was a murderer, here's how I would fall back against you. And you get a chance to kind of learn some of these possible survival techniques in case you're ever in danger like this. Because you're probably not going to face a vampire or werewolf. I'm not say you're not going to, just you're probably not going to. But we live in a broken world. We live in a pretty messed up place. You might get attacked by people in your house someday. Hopefully you don't. You might deal with some weird people. So maybe practice some survival techniques, especially if in, like, Detroit or Baltimore. Be ready for this stuff. Let me get back to the lighthearted thing. Sorry to scare you a little bit, but getting a lighthearted topic. We're going to end today by giving you some advice on how to make sure you embrace that fear. 
how to make sure you help cultivate these experiences of horror in your game. Okay, Devin, what uh, what suggestions do you have? Some of the lessons that I may have from experience uh, would be to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Again, as it is with a lot of tabletop RPGs, it's really easy to put up a barrier between you and what's going on. But when you take it seriously, you kind of get to experience that fun fear. Like mm-hmm. Brandon explained earlier, how your mind can process that. You get to delight in it and enjoy it and... By experiencing it, especially when you're with your friends experiencing it together, um, you kind of build one another for it. And then if you have someone in your group who's not super into dedicating, if they can look at you and see how much you're enjoying it by committing a little bit more, it kind of encourages them to do the same thing. And if everybody around that table is on that same level, then all together, everyone's really conjuring up this horror element and diving headfirst into it. Devin brings a great point. Make sure as much as possible you throw yourself into it. The more you tell yourself, I don't want to die, the more fun a horror game is going to be. Because you don't care if your character dies or not, you're not going to be scared for them. Why do I care if he dies so I'm not going to be afraid of it? If you tell yourself, I don't want to die, then it increases it. Like even in the game Until Dawn, you're playing these characters, they have their traits, they are pre-scripted, pre-made characters. Mm -hmm. But when you're being chased through the forest by this figure or this monster... Or you're trying to skirt along the edge of a mountain cliff where any wrong move could potentially slip you. The entire time your heart's racing a little bit, you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to die. And that kind of helps you get into the mindset a little bit more. Your paranoia peaks. And I think that that's what a horror game should do. And I think GMs help your players get to this mode by setting the atmosphere. So when when I've been a GM before, I make sure low lights, sometimes no lights whatsoever in certain scenarios... Except for the light of your, like, a TV screen so you can barely see your character sheet. Candlelight, maybe, to really sell a mood. Slow, ambient, disturbing music. We've tried to use some smoke or vapor before to kind of increase the feel. Talk slowly. Talk menacingly. Make that small, evil grin to your player every now and then when he thinks he might die. Make them feel that desire of, I want to die, but I might. It sounds terrible. The more you make your players feel like victims, the more fun they're going to have. This part of what role-playing games are, or horror games, is your characters are effectively victims of the scenario. Like, they are kind of powerless in what's going on against them. Yeah, and generally, they're not even the ones seeking it out. Yeah, It's kind of like it happens to them. Yeah, they stumbled upon it. Maybe they were a news reporter or investigator, and they're looking into it. They thought it was fake, and it just happened to them. But they're effectively victims, so the more you can almost... (laughs) It sounds really terrible. Victimize your players in this moment. Make them feel powerless and at your mercy. The more you can increase their feeling of, I don't want to die, but I might. Another thing you do is... Tap into primordial fears. So people have fear of the darkness, fear of the unknown, fear of the closed door. And the longer you make them wait to figure out what's going on, the longer you keep that door closed, they, they can't open it yet. They want to know, but they can't open it yet. The more scared they're going to make themselves. The second you open the door, what you see behind it is not nearly as bad as what was in your mind. So play on these primordial fears of your character. Really get them worked up over maybe nothing, but at the very least get them worked up. And then when the threat comes at them, if they win, they're excited. If they die, it's at least a good story. But at the very least, make them feel fear and make them feel like they're at your mercy. So one of the few times you have a chance to do that and still be a good person. <laughs> That's a weird way to, to put it. But I guess, I guess, yeah, that would be one way to still maintain your your inner goodness, yeah. but also become a monster. Yeah, because at the same time, like I'm there to make sure you guys have fun as a GM, as a storyteller, whatever. I'm trying to make sure you guys have fun. But to do that, I have to put you at my mercy. It's weird, but it's why GMing is fun. Any more advice about how to embrace the experience, Devin, of role-playing games? I don't have any more advice on how to embrace the experience of the role-playing game. Okay. Well, then, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. Devin, any closing words of wisdom? You can hide under your sheets 
and you can close the closet door. But it will not protect you from the real and all-too-true horror.